My name is Rich Procida. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the host of the Truth and Democracy podcast. But before we begin, I want to tell you a little about the Truth and Democracy Coalition. The Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. We educate the public about disinformation, teach people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings like this one, um, work with other organizations, and organize events and activities geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. I also want to tell you about our next meeting on Sunday, February 12th at 2 p.m., same time, same channel, Pacific Standard Time. I will be doing a presentation on the origins and importance of individual rights. We will be reviewing um, Professor Larry Seidentop's book, Inventing the Individual, The Origins of Western Liberalism, if you can see that. Then we will have a discussion and end with an action to defend individual, civil, and human rights. So to register, go to tinyurl.com slash liberal origins. You know, Putin, sadly, has got all of our political class every single one of us, including the media, exactly where he wants us. He's got us feeling vulnerable, he's got us feeling uh, on edge, and he's got us questioning the legitimacy of our own systems. But how much of our polarization, of the fact that we are he heads butting in, the, in this country, how much of that came from the Russians? Well, certainly in 2016, a lot of it did, but they don't invent the divisions. The Russians didn't invent partisan divides. The Russians haven't invented racism in the United States. But the Russians understand a lot of those divisions and they understand how to exploit them. Laquisha Agnew is our first speaker. Her subject is critical race theory, what it is and what it is not. She's sharing this in a five to seven minute speech. And Toastmaster Laquisha is from the Georgia area who is, I know, in charge of the uh, leadership uh, institution and has been doing an incredible job. She's also our uh, secretary maintaining our minutes. So I'm excited to introduce Toastmaster Laquisha Agnew, Critical Race Theory, What It Is and What It Is Not, Laquisha Agnew. Thank you, Elise and give me a moment while I share screen. Thank you. Um, this presentation I'm doing from the Visionary Communication Pathway. It is a level three project of creating effective visual aids. Okay. According to the Legal Defense Fund, after the historic 2020 election, which included record turnout among black voters, some states passed strict voting laws in that they were the strictest in decades. Here in Georgia in particular, in all of the recent elections since 
the 2020 election, there have been historic record turnouts overall amongst all voters. Much of that has been attributed to when millions of people took to the streets to protest police violence. Some states responded by passing laws criminalizing protest. Why is that? Now, waves of people across the country of all races and backgrounds have come to recognize systemic racism and its ongoing impacts in our society. Some argue that these states and systems are attempting to silence discussions about these issues and more, which is why critical race theory has become such a hot button topic and a political flashpoint in America today. My presentation today is to give a concise overview of critical race theory, which I will also refer to as CRT, what it is and is not. So the origin of critical race theory, critical race theory has its underpinnings in the philosophical writings of Derrick Bell in the 1970s and early 1980s. It was born out of the research of legal scholars, lawyers, and activists that many of the advances of the civil rights era had stopped and in some circumstances were actually being reversed. So when we talk about critical race theory, the man behind that particular theory is more commonly known as the author Derrick Bell. And I wanted to share some points about Derrick Bell. Derrick Bell attended DeQuince University before enlisting and serving in the Air Force. He attended the University of Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh Law School, finishing as the only black graduate of his class. He worked for the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice until he was told that his membership within the NAACP was considered a conflict of interest. At that time, he then resigned to become a staff attorney for the Legal Defense Fund, which is an arm of the NAACP until they in fact separated from the NAACP. He then began his academic career teaching at the University of Southern California Law School where he directed the Public Interest Legal Center. After the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., he started lecturing at Harvard Law School and later becoming the school's first black tenured professor. Sorry for the misspelling. So why do I share all of these points about Derrick Bell? I share these points because his research comes from a lens of his experiences in the legal field, his experiences within America and his experiences in lecturing um, on a college academic level. 
I think that brings credibility to the philosophy that has been shared and in recent times has become, again, the flashpoint of many debates without actually referring back to the actual origins of the critical race theory. Now, when we talk about tenets of critical race theory, what are the tenets and the main points of this philosophy? One is that racism has fundamental roots in American society. Another point is that racism cannot simply be corrected and or ended by law. There is a social construct by every culture to create realities in their own self-interest, meaning that people see the world through their lens and based on that, the social construct for every culture is going to be different. In the US in particular, the social construct was created by and for elites which means that the interest of minorities became a subservient to the system unless the system of the majorities, unless those interests promote the interest of majorities. Meaning that minority cultures in the United States, their interests were not widely considered the social construct of America overall unless, of course, those interests appeased and or promoted the interest of the majority. There was a time when African-Americans in particular who excelled in their field, whether it be entertainment and or athletics or any field, when they reached a certain status, they were told that they were a credit to their race. They were a credit to their race. And that simply meant that their talents, skills, and abilities were not considered a benefit to mainstream society until their skills, talents, and abilities promoted the interest of the majority. And so again, the tenets of critical race theory look closely at systematic and institutional perspectives towards race in the justice, economic and legal fields in America. What are some misconceptions of critical race theory? Let's look at some myths. CRT is going to influence every aspect of elementary through high school curriculums. Another myth is CRT is about making individuals of a certain race accountable for slavery and or the past racist actions of others of the same race. That is a common myth. CRT is about divisive concepts. 
those are myths that have been floating around as of recently based on the political flashpoints that we're hearing in the media. Let's look at some facts related to those myths. CRT is a legal theory not designed to be taught in primary education. In fact, CRT is mostly regarded in law schools and or upper academia, not in primary school um, education and or curriculums. CRT focuses on racism that is embedded in institutional systems, such as the legal system, the judicial system, the economic systems, etc., not necessarily targeted at any particular race or individual for their views and or past actions of their ancestors. And in regards to CRT being divisive, CRT was about bringing awareness to disparities that exist in society on a broader level versus very specific discussions that are generally biased and divisive. Now let's go a step further. Who's afraid of critical race theory and why? Why has it become such a hot topic? Why has it become such a political flashpoint in our media and in society today? I'm going to look at the political perspectives about critical race theory, and I want to share stats that I found regarding each political party. And we'll start with Democrats. The green stats represent favorable perspectives towards critical race theory. The gold stats represent neutral or impartial um, perspectives about political um, perspectives. And the red represents negative um, perspectives regarding critical race theory. So from voting Democrats that were polled, 29% felt that a theory that people of minority races have inherited less wealth instead of ignoring that it is being taught in schools to bring awareness. Also that CRT is filling the gaps that our current history fails to. And critical race theory is treating everyone the same. Those are favorable perspectives from voting Democrats that were polled. Neutral Democrats are still trying to understand more about critical race theory, and they feel that diversity training sessions at schools, colleges, and or the workplace is where critical race theory belongs. Also, neutral Democrats think that not what the right thinks, that it's a process to look at how race impacts each party of society from laws to housing to generational wealth and beyond. Now, some negative views that Democrats have about critical race theory in the 7% range is that critical race theory is when you are the race that is being judged. Critical race theory is and individual thinking that they know all when it comes to races, when we are all 
much the same with different personalities due to different situations. And also another negative perspective is that it is a study and indoctrination of how to hate and remove white people from society. That's 7% of how voting Democrats feel. Now, when we look at political perspectives about critical race theory from the independent viewpoint, at 16%, independents feel that it is something not taught in grade school. It should be taught in middle and high school. It's simply telling the truth about slavery and system, systematic racism and how it has continued to present times. More independents are neutral than favorable and think that critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. That racism is baked into the system. That's 31% of voting independents. 46 of voting independents feel that critical race theory is just a lot of BS, that it's about black minorities wanting more and it's about changing history. That's very interesting. Now let's talk about the political perspectives about critical race theory from a Republican lens. 5% of Republicans, voting Republicans are favorable of critical race theory, thinking that teaching children that racism is wrong. Um, they're trying to, or that critical race theory is about trying to improve race relations or that having all people live together peacefully is what critical race theory is about. In the middle, Republicans are neutral at 10% and they think that the theory that racism is, that the that theory that racism is systematic is what America is about or that it's an attempt to explain the continuing impact on why black people do worse than white people. Also, neutral Republicans feel that in regards to CRT, there's the notion that America is just a racist nation that penalizes blacks. Now on the negative side, um, of views towards critical race theory, at 78% Republicans feel that critical race theory is a farce that attempts to blame all of society's ills on white people, that it is a Marxist proposal to indoctrinate children by blaming white people for everything, or that liberal New York Times crap about the entire history of the United States was founded on slavery and every single white person is responsible just by being white. Also, voting Republicans feel that critical race theory is a ploy to the left to get our youth in schools to come out truly racist. These were quotes and again, flashpoints that were captured from voting blocks from Democrats, independents, and Republicans. Overwhelmingly, through this particular voting block research, Republicans at 78% have a more negative view of critical race theory over independents at 46% and at Democrats at 7%.
racism is a grown-up disease, and we must stop using our children to spread it. This is a quote by Ruby Bridges, and those who may or may not be familiar with Ruby Bridges, Ruby Bridges was a child of the civil rights era who was the first African-American child to desegregate schools in Louisiana. There have been many books and movies and documentaries made about her experience as a child growing up during the civil rights era. And the image of the little black girl on the right is taken from a, um, a image of Ruby Bridges being escorted to schools during um, desegregating her school during the civil rights era with the backsplash of the N-word um, written on the wall. And to the right, we have a white child that says we want to keep our schools white. Now, critical race theory didn't even exist during this time. So critical race theory was not a factor during this movement, during this era of our country. But yet these kids experienced it. They experienced it based on the indoctrination of their culture, of their society, of their families. And from a personal standpoint, if these children had to live it and go through the economic, educational, and legal separation of the country, then all children should have to learn about it in some capacity. Because if we don't teach children what history was and what our society can be, then we're never going to make changes overall. So in order to not repeat it, we need to understand what critical race theory is and what it is not, and not to get swayed by the flashpoints that we see in our society and that we hear in our society today. It is perfectly fine to have your personal views and preferences regarding what you feel history is and is not. But in order for us as a society to move beyond that, we have to study for ourselves and as we do in this club, have discussions to have a broader understanding of what critical race theory is and is not. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you, Toastmaster Laquisha. Thank you. All right. And I have another question. The Bradley effect. Uh, last meeting when I believe it was Alice who had a nice presentation. And you could see part of her presentation was the number of people supporting the critical race theory. And it was broken down to Democrat, uh, or Republican, or Independent. And the numbers went high on one, in one party and low, very low in the other one. And then in our meeting, we all agreed that critical race theory is important and it should be taught. And I kept on thinking about the Bradley effect. Thomas Bradley, was, I believe, three-time mayor of Los Angeles, 
he ran multiple times for the governor. Every time he would run for a governor, it would be it would be predicted that he would win. And then he never did. So the Bradley effect is essentially about the situation where certain person runs for the governor and people like, ooh, a black guy who's mayor of major metropolis. I'm definitely gonna vote for him because I'm not gonna say well, I'm gonna avoid I don't want anyone to call me racist. And then they go and not vote for him. So with all those numbers, how do you think uh do you think is a badly effect taking place on CRT? On the support of CRT, I mean. Roman, could you restate the question? I'm sorry, uh, okay. I'm not sure I understand what the question is. Of course, Doug. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just kind of also it's, wanted it's to me. jump. Yeah, I, I also just wanted to jump a little bit into history. So essentially, how many people, or do you think the Bradley effect takes place where people say that they're in the support of CRT and then they go, they say it in public and then they go in private and say, eh, no. All right, Richard, the floor is yours. Thank you. I think that we play a game in the racial narrative where we go around agreeing with what black people say and playing up to them, and they know what's going on. They know we're not serious. They know that we're not taking this stuff seriously. One of the things in last week's presentation, or the last time, was that a statement about that people pursue their own interests in some ways and, and that these groups are not going to change. I don't know if that's actually true, but I know that's what critical race theory is. The correct response is to count, do a counter offer. The, the fundamental error this one person who was speaking made that somehow history can be presented or any academic subject can be presented in an objective and non-biased ways. We're long past that already. We know that everything, everybody comes to the table with a bias. So that, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. If we were really sincere, if we really heard what was being said, if we really read those books, we wouldn't be saying, oh, that's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. I've read some of them. And the honest truth is they make me angry oftentimes. And so, if we were honest and true about what we were saying, we would be countering that opening offer and and having a discussion. But they know we won't do that. And so we are now in this game of getting everybody just to believe and go along with what they're saying with no opposition allowed. Thank you. All right. Do we have time for more questions? I think you have time for one more, Roman. Great. Well, I only had three questions. So, whoever the volunteer, pick one of those questions that I asked before and just feel free to answer them. Who's it going to be? All right, Doug, the floor is yours. I think part of the problem is with or a problem is with the term CRT and critical race theory itself and trying to <clears throat> trying to define it. 
we can't deny that there was slavery and Jim Crow and some destructive zoning practices after that. And, and those things were horrible. And the people who committed a lot of that are dead. But there, it, it's true that there is a legacy of racism. And, and well, I'm, I'm sure that it is true. If nothing else, it's the after effect of the concentrations of communities through Jim Crow to zoning and subtle things. But we can't deny the progress that we've made. We fought a civil war over this. The leaders of our country were willing to dissolve the country over this issue. And and then we had the Civil Rights Acts of the, the mid-60s. We had affirmative action. We have made progress. And it, it is not wrong that we... It is right that we teach history as it was. We have to be careful what age we teach that, I think. And we it's very important how we do that. If we do it in a way that's divisive, that, that uh, teaches people that they are victims and will always be victims because of their color, you will never fix the problem. Race is a reality. The color of our skin is a reality, and there's nothing we can do about it. We have to acknowledge that and and move forward. Thank you, Doug.